move to Amityagi, who's the ISTAT uh, certified appraiser and chief intelligence officer of uh, Acumen Aviation. I, again, Amit uh, goes back, I think, two years at least uh, with us. Um, he uh, had very kindly, and Acumen Aviation, of course, also goes back with us as one of the very, uh, one of the organizations which is always uh, ready to jump into all new ventures and to work with us in developing and a holistic uh, aircraft leasing ecosystem. They have very recently also launched a um, postgraduate uh, year-long diploma program in, uh, in uh, aircraft financing and leasing um, with, with, a, with a university. So I, um, Amit, talking about Amit, uh, he joined Acumen in 2009 as the chief intelligence officer. Uh, he leverages his expertise as a certified ISTAT appraiser. And uh, this is actually combined with a wealth of about 17 years of technical and ex commercial expertise in aviation, which he has uh, working with sophisticated and diverse clientele. He has appraised various ABS transactions, asset sale purchases, market values, due diligence, and fly-forward analysis in the last few years. And he is responsible for management of assets on behalf of investors and provides uh, asset market insights, life values, and risk and ownership uh, assessments. So, I, without much ado, he's 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 also uh, uh, been working. Um, actually, he he holds a bachelor's degree in aeronautical engineering, BSc, PCM, Barmel. He is pursuing the GMAE from IM Bangalore, an MBA program, which is in collaboration with Toulouse Business School of France. So over to you, Amit, for uh, taking us through this very important matter. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, and I would like to thank uh, Ministry of Civil Aviation and IFSC authority and give city in a collaboration with FICI to, uh, to conduct this master class and providing me this opportunity to, to, uh, to, uh, to comment on this very important topic of asset management. Uh, it's a very broad topic and uh, I think ma'am has given a lot of introduction so we can skip that. Uh, if you could go back a little bit, uh, I will just like to give uh, one, yeah, uh, about Acumen. So I think ma'am has spoken a little bit, but uh, Acumen started back in 2009. And uh, I also joined at the same time. And uh, at that point in time, we had, of, uh, we, we were a technical consultancy. And uh, Subsequently, due to tax reason, we opened our office in Dublin and Dublin became the main office. And, and we have gone to Miami, Beijing, and now, as ma'am has mentioned, we have also opened office in IFSC Gujarat. So, uh, uh, Acumen has grown by leaps and bounds. We, we have our technical services, uh, which contain several other services. We have a digital department, 
containing Sparta system. We are developing our own softwares uh, to 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 assist the industry uh, and on asset management side and the valuation side. And under commercial management, we we manage the uh, we are we are having commercial lease management and valuation and appraisal. So next slide, please. Okay, so uh, from asset management perspective, it is important to note uh, and understand what is the life cycle of an aircraft. From that perspective, generally, uh, the aircraft is initially manufactured and given uh, on first and second lease. The, the first lease is most, first or second lease may be mostly between six to 12 years. And, and during that period, the various maintenance checks may be performed or several other duty and asset manager need to, to perform. And, and those are those are essential to be monitored and I'll, I'll elaborate on those two. Similarly, at the end of lease, then there will be a sale of aircraft and, and the valuation of aircraft will be needed for several reasons. So I'll be covering that in my next slides. And similarly, after every lease, there will, there will be a requirement of valuation and remarketing. So that topic is also being covered under this. And, and, and finally, at the end of, uh, as uh, we basically as an appraiser also, and as uh, Michael also mentioned, we take the aircraft life to be around 25 years. And based on that, uh, at the end of life, if if the aircraft part out is delivering more value than than actually aircraft as an entity, then uh, the part out or uh, disposal is is the best option, and 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 uh, that is what is the, uh, done. Next slide, please. Okay, so as soon as uh, I mean this is the starting phase for any any lease so uh, the delivery conditions are 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 what a lesser generally agrees with the lessee now uh, to uh, it is a prerequisite for every lessor or uh, to to meet these uh, these uh, requirement before the delivery of the aircraft to the lessee and which will include uh, at the starting maybe configuration of aircraft and its maintenance status. And the condition could be different. If it, the, the aircraft is very new, it will be generally in the uh, full life condition or if the aircraft is used, then the delivery condition could be in the middle somewhere, but uh, the, those will be uh, agreed in advance. And uh, in case of a, a used aircraft, generally the inspection is done at assembly line or during the testing of aircraft. And for for a used aircraft, generally at the delivery location. And uh, delivery condition, if if the lessor is unable to meet the delivery condition, generally the, it will all be listed as a exceptions, and either those need to be those need to be uh, remedied or rectified before the delivery or within a stipulated time frame and at the time of delivery a certificate of technical acceptance will be signed and given by the lessee so meeting the delivery condition is 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 the first step to start the lease next slide, slide please re-delivery 
so once the the lease is going on and and uh, we continue to perform all the requirement during the lease and uh, and finally the redelivery period will come uh, depending on the lease term so redelivery planning start at least 12 to 18 months in advance and generally generally all the lease will have uh, uh, i mean some of the leases may have extension option some may not have if there is an extension option available first of all that will be discussed with with the current lessee and if if the current lessee is uh, ready to extend the lease then the lease extension may happen if the lease extension is not happening then it is sure that the redelivery will happen so the redelivery planning will start and and the lessor will start trying to remarket this aircraft now the best option available with the with the lessor is or, or the lease manager is if he can find the next lessee which will accept the aircraft in the similar configuration if that is possible that is the best scenario and and if he can match the delivery condition with the redelivery conditions are matching with the delivery condition of the next lessee that is the best scenario if that doesn't happen then what are the changes uh, between the two requirement i mean how we have to deliver to next lessee and what is the current lessee is going to give what are the delta that delta need to be clearly checked out and those modifications or, or changes need to be planned well in advance various uh, uh, various stakeholder will be contacted which will include oems stc holders or or how that change is going to be performed so that uh, that starts in the background with the lesser and the discussion starts with the next lessee also and it may, will also involve the discussion of how the commercial arrangement will happen with the next lessee whether those modification the lesser is supposed to do and give or or the next lessee is also going to take a certain portion of that and all that is discussed in advance after that once the redelivery meeting is generally planned between the current lessee and the lessor around between 6 to 12 months in advance of redelivery date and redelivery locations mro lease return check package etc need to be discussed and agreed in advance which may involve like hard time hard time task or structural check task or, or any uh, painting requirement etc those need to be ensured that they are they are part of the redelivery check and uh, and this is this is a very essential requirement because if if anything misses at this stage and uh, uh, then it can really cause uh, trouble uh, while delivering the aircraft to the next lessee in uh, so in in such situation uh, uh, if there is an additional post to be borne by the current uh, uh, i mean there is a deviation between the current lessee and uh, next lessee requirement then additional task may be inserted or additional requirement may be inserted into the check packages and and the current and the lesser may pay directly to mros or, or, or as agreed between the parties so next slide please lease transition so 
major point for a smooth lease transitions are, are all listed here and it is essential that any lease transition is well planned as as i mentioned in my previous slide too so if there is a deviation is existing between the current uh, uh, lessee delivery condition and next lessee's delivery condition then all those differences all the required kits etc should be uh, uh, arranged in advance and uh, uh, because those can surely create a lot of trouble to deliver their craft if not well planned and and certain requirement with the oems also may take a lot of because the kits availability could be very very difficult in certain scenarios lessor uh, will send its uh, technical representative for de detailed record review and uh, the physical inspection generally 45 to 90 days in advance and which will all be discussed in the re-delivery meeting as i mentioned in my previous slide and whatever observations or findings are noted between uh, during the reviews those needs to be corrected and if there are any issues which cannot be corrected then uh, the current lessee and the lessor will discuss and those uh, they will try to to reach to a commercial arrangement if that can be accepted by the next lessee if with this also the uh, the lesser would try to bring in the next lessee at the same place and they will request them to, to basically come and and do the review at the same time before the uh, the lease and itself so any finding from the next lessee is also taken into account and their their findings and and those are included into the findings uh, while while checking uh, if, if the return condition is matching then the current lessee itself will perform those uh, rectification actions and 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 aircraft will be delivered back so this is the the aim for any lessor to to give aircraft to accept the aircraft from current lessee and immediately deliver and sign the lease with the next uh, next lessee that is that is what is the best scenario and that is what every lesser tries to do us so lease transition is very very important and and to ensure that the aircraft doesn't stay on ground without earning a lease rent for for the lessor which is and if it is not earning the lease rent then it actually uh, there are other associated expenses which comes into picture so this is a very important topic next slide please Okay, before I go to the maintenance reserve, it is it is essential for uh, uh, for for the audience to understand why do we need uh, maintenance reserve, and what is what is uh, why it is necessary. So, as you can see, three <coughs> slides here. The first slide, uh, first uh, figure shows. Uh, that the aircraft generally when it is new it is at 100% of or full life full full maintenance status when uh, when we start utilizing uh, so this may be uh, now taken into uh, the first slide may be taken as a hard time item or, or certain items which for which the utility can be reduced to the zero and then again can be rebuilt back to the 100% life so uh, if we compare to similar to hard time items the, the utility cost will uh, move like a sawtooth curve as shown in the first one 
if you notice in the second slide then uh, it shows that the the initially when aircraft is uh, for for own condition items or or such items they may be they will be at the 100% live at the start when when taken new but they will start moving down in the maintenance status and the utility level will fall down to a certain extent but it will not go to down to zero and neither it can be built up back to the 100% because uh, you will, uh, for example, any engine will have uh, its half of the LLP might be used and uh, and cert, but the, you may perform a performance restoration, but you can't you can't replace the LLP if they are uh, having half of the life remaining. So basically you build it up, but it will not go back to 100% of life. It will reach back to maybe 80% or so depending on where we stand in the in the maintenance status depending on all the major components so if we compare and and mix up these two curves we what we find is the curve which is shown on the uh, on the third uh, third figure so this is the 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 portion which is in the shaded is is what is the value risk to to the lessor if the maintenance reserves are not being collected, then this risk will exist and and uh, and must be to 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 recover uh, or to recover from this risk value risk. It is essential to collect MR, and that is what that is why we collect MR. Next slide, please. Okay, so maintenance reserve funds are uh, actually collected for heavy or qualified maintenance events uh, uh, as agreed in the lease. And they are typically paid by the lessee to the lessor based on the maintenance uh, utilization. Lessor will reimburse the, to the lessee those, those amounts uh, once the maintenance event has been performed. Lessee uh, lease agreement specifies the amount to be paid and the event which are reimbursable. So there will be qualified maintenance event which will be listed in the lease agreement with the definition. So those only those will be reimbursable and only for those the MRs are collected. And uh, especially speaking, though for airframe, those are structural checks. For example, for an Airbus aircraft, it could be six year and 12 year checks. For a Boeing aircraft, it could be like uh, a narrow body, eight year, 10 year or 12 year if we go with the previous MPD and if we with go with the new MPDs, it could be nine year and 15 years. So depending on the, the lessee and lessor's agreement, those those will be defined. And uh, the, the qualified maintenance event definitions will be mentioned in the lease agreement. Rates will be a further decided in accordance with the lease either uh, mostly those are decided based on the maintenance cost and and the time expected time uh, they are going to be used uh, and and they are either listed in the lease agreement or they are they are set to be i mean uh, agreed at the end of lease uh, depending but, but in case of mr they will be always listed and escalation will be listed there so uh, what is the escalation percentage per annum and the, uh, I mean, uh, the escalation review date. So on which date the escalation will kick in. 
collection of the MR will be mostly on the monthly basis. Uh, every month, the lessee will send at the end of month the utilization, and based on that utilization, based on the agreed rate, the uh, lessor will send an invoice to the lessee, and and the collection will happen for that. And a reimbursement to the lessee will happen based on the qualified maintenance events. And and once the once the lessor is satisfied with the provided records, and 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 once those are submitted, it is to be noted that mostly in advance of any MR event or a qualified maintenance event, generally the lessor is consulted, and and uh, uh, generally lessor will. Will will agree to the MRO being used for for such events. Next slide, please. Okay, as we have seen in the in the uh, during the life or, or, or every asset manager uh, or a lease manager would require asset valuation at several stages uh, of the uh, of the aircraft in a aircraft life cycle due to different reasons. So while uh, my colleague Michael has already covered uh, on the valuation side, I, I have kept some of the slides for uh, for a quick understanding on that topic to being a ISTAT appraiser. I thought it will be nice to have that. So uh, what is an appraisal? Uh, uh, appraisal is the act of or estimating the value of an asset. Uh, as per the definition or, or the uh, which is contained in the appraisal report, it may be a base value, it may be current market value, or or any any type of values which will be shown in the subsequent slide. Why do we perform an appraisal? Because we the asset manager would like to know uh, or will need it for several different reasons as highlighted here for sale, purchase, insurance claim, decision uh, for exist strategy, tax purpose, or to find out the value of lease, etc. So there are different reasons why why perform uh, the appraisal may be needed. Who can, who, whom to approach for appraisal? The ISTAT certified appraisal is, is what is well accepted in the, in the worldwide for commercial transport aircraft. And those are, uh, those are being used by lessor, investors, banks, private equity fund, insurer, reinsurer, or, or many, wherever, uh, uh, and they are well recognized and accepted in the market for, for uh, most of the, uh, I mean, wherever such a requirement arises. And what is ISTAT? ISTAT is a non-profit society which is including manufacturer, purchaser, uh, brokerage, agencies, leasing, uh, community, maintenance appraisal, and including uh, airlines and and uh, and so. So ISTAT provide certification to, to those who satisfactorily demonstrate that he or she is qualified to appraise an aircraft. So they conduct the exam and provide such certification. Acumen has three ISTAT certified appraisal and two ASA appraiser. ASA is American Society of Appraisers. Next slide, please. So these are the different type of values, uh, which is generally provided base value and market value is already covered in the previous slide. So I will straight away go to residual value. Residual value is the value of any aircraft for which is at any future date, generally Generally, we require it to find out at the conclusion of lease term if we are valuing a value of a lease 
or or it can be at the end of life also depending on requirement the residual value is value at any future date and mostly the future base value or so or as defined by appraisal report will be taken distress value is is something which which is in in case when the seller is is or or any uh, seller is mostly in, in hurry to sell and and there could be a discount uh, applied in such cases so so that is the distress value securitized or lease encumbered value is based on the future uh, future earning potential of the aircraft which will include rent and terms uh, or payment stream during what lease term is available and estimated uh, residual value at lease termination with a with a appropriate discount rate and the discount rate will depend on several factors uh, depending on the uh, the risk and, and all other items which uh, based on which the discount rate is find out part out or salvage value is or um, at the end of life as i mentioned in my previous slide uh, we need to check whether whether the aircraft uh, basically is best to have in uh, part out or, or sell the parts separately or or value air, aircraft as an entity if and that is if we are selling parts separately for reuse on other aircraft then such values are, are known as part out or salvage value and when we compare both market value uh, and salvage value if, if uh, whichever is higher mostly the commercial decision will go accordingly next slide please these are the factors i think some of those is already covered by michael so i am just mentioning here uh, for clarity uh, so uh, in in little more detail so uh, aircraft specific is age weight and type engine type well while we value we take all this into account and what is the interior configuration uh, utilization our cycle will play a very great role because depending on that is what is mrs are decided and it especially on engine it is very very important uh, on type type specific fleet distribution engine choice or, or how much product support is available in the market for that, whether the MROs are available, whether it, uh, so there are, uh, what are the technological changes coming into that particular segment, uh, and what is the product, where we do stand in the production cycle of that, and what is the industry specific uh, capacity in the market, what is the stored fleet size at any particular time, whether airlines are operating profitably, in that segment or like uh, like uh, narrow body aircrafts are are, uh, are less affected this is this is one of the reason because uh, the the aircraft are back into service earlier than the other aircraft type so that will also uh, be one of the factor uh, major factor what are the future orders deliveries what are the regulatory changes coming uh, and same uh, same way the macroeconomic factors which are taken into account as, as shown here. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Okay, so why do we value the aircraft? Uh, basically, uh, this is just uh, to show that the, the list price or, or, or the new price could be in the range of 100 to 110 million. 
I am not mentioning any aircraft specific, but it, it is uh, any single aisle aircraft could be in that range, but the actual sale value could be between 44 million to 55 million. Uh, next slide, please. So similarly, a wide body aircraft could, could range in the list price from 200 to 450 millions, but the actual sale price could be between 85 to 220 million. So it depends why there is a wide variation and, and, and uh, so it, it, the valuation is important part. Next slide, please. Residual value. So as uh, residual value is one of the, the main concern or, or any you take lease encumbered value or, or any, uh, any, any type of value, uh, it is essential uh, for any asset manager to, to ensure that the residual value of aircraft is maintained. And, and this is why it is, it is essential what uh, it is not possible to list everything here, but I, I'll give some certain points here. So to, to ensure what an asset manager generally do, they will do a regular audits. Depending on the credit risk of an airline, it, it will be between 12 months to 36 months, and that will be decided by less or lease manager. And, and they will, during such audits, they will collect all the records all, and do the physical inspection of aircraft and ensure that they have the latest status sheets, etc. So, so because the value of an aircraft is, is lot into the reports. Otherwise, those need to be, again, uh, there will be expenses to redo those tasks. Uh, monitoring the financial health of a lessee uh, uh, and take timely action as per the lease is a very essential part of an asset manager. And, and if, if the lessee uh, financial health is deteriorating, it is essential to have more frequent on-site visit and, and do surveillance as necessary. And it is also essential to monitor if there is any, any financial or technical default between the, what is mentioned in the lease. Sometimes the lease will, uh, will mention like Titan assembly should be installed on the aircraft. If it is not so, and, and the airline is also not in good financial health, then every asset manager would like to have their title assembly back to. Otherwise, it becomes very difficult to chase them back and, and get it back in, in case of repositions and, and, and uh, when the airline goes bust or the lessee goes bust. So uh, to avoid such situation uh, or, or, or if uh, asset manager would be very concerned if there is any preservation of aircraft or aircraft is stored, if it is not a short term preservation uh, or due to forced region, everything is grounded because in such cases, the aircraft component could be taken out by the lessee to service other aircraft and which, which can be a, a greater risk for a lessor. So these are the main, main points which are essential to be monitored uh, to maintain the residual value and, and, and to ensure that uh, the, the records or lesser has the proper records for that. Uh, next slide, please. So uh, these are the main type of values as a base values uh, is generally at half time, half life uh, and to ensure uh, or, or give a baseline value uh, in half time, half life condition, considering considering the aircraft is at uh, or in a phys average physical condition. Residual value 
is is the the value of aircraft at any future date and uh, will take uh, maybe uh, in the half time half life condition for future uh, and it is it is take it also is used for uh, for the uh, uh, lease encumbered value at the lease end or 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 that those values are required lease encumbered value as i mentioned earlier is 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 for uh, to find out the, the the value based on the future uh, payment streams and and the with a proper discount rate market value is as adding to the the market factor into into the base value or, or or the maintenance adjusted base value as the case may be and and finding out the actual situation of the value at that point in time and similarly salvage value is the part out value at the end of lease so base value is generally maybe provided in a desktop appraisal uh, to due to paucity of time i have not put the type of appraisal here but i will quickly explain the base value will generally be uh, in the uh, desktop appraisal will provide that uh, and similarly the residual value also in a lease encumbered value where the maintenance status or, or uh, could be taken into account in, in the market value also which is called extended desktop appraisal where we take the current maintenance status of the aircraft and and do the adjustment for the maintenance status at that point in time and salvage value is is mostly at the end of life or when when it is basically uh, giving the best uh, uh, commercial uh, i mean value to the to the lessor rather than aircraft as an entity so these are the main type of values and 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 lease encumbered value we can say a financial appraisal so these are the the major uh, major type of appraisals which are, are given next slide please yeah thank you very much so these these are the i think i hope i have been able to provide the required information in such short time thank you very much Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Amit. The, the amount of wealth of uh, information and knowledge you have provided us, it is so difficult to digest it. I'm going to need separate classes with you uh, as, a, as a student so that I can really understand and digest all the uh, ramifications that exist on whether we are looking at uh, factors exogenous to a lessor or a factor factors endogenous to a lessor when the when we set up the aircraft what is more important and how we need to address begin to address all those aspects obviously um, we have to we have to improve the environment on both counts and to provide um, risk uh, mitigation strategies so that the values of the assets held by the lessors in gift city are uh, advanced are impacted less than would otherwise uh, be presumed. So I have actually, um, we, we are overshooting our time. We were supposed to be in for a lunch break at this time, but I do have some listed questions and taking the liberty uh, of time again and the testing the patience of all concerned. There are a few questions which I think we could address um now before the speakers of this panel um, for uh, so 
There is a question from Hong Kong, Ms. Charissa Chu. She has said, compared to Dublin, India has access to strong equity and debt capital markets domestically. How can that be tapped to help bolster this initiative? So if um, SBI or uh, NIIF, uh, NIIF can answer this question, uh, that would be useful. And then from her, do the tax and other incentives flow through the value chain through to equity and debt investors? So I can perhaps request Suresh Ji of um, PwC to answer this. May I request the others to switch off their mic? So is there anybody from SBI and, uh, and NIIF? SBI, NIIF? Or uh, Dipesh, do yeah, you like to answer yeah. this? Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, take, I'll take this. Uh, hmm. I think the question is very valid that can the Indian uh, institution participate? So the way hmm. now this regulation has been structured is uh, for, an air, for the aircraft leasing entity, it can be a joint venture between a foreign lessor and an Indian lessor or the Indian entities and the foreign entities can come together and uh, equity can be brought in by the Indian uh, institutions in this. Uh, similarly, it can be 50-50, it can be 100%. So the participation of Indian institution uh, comes in. Uh, for debt, uh, uh, the ECB, the banks which are already housed in the IFFC would be able to give the debt, uh, which will be dollar denominated. Plus, they have been allowed to give ECB in INR, in the local currency, to the entities operating there. And uh, as far as the uh, tax benefit flow is concerned, uh, uh, the entity will not be having a corporate tax uh, of um, uh, for 10 years. However, the dividend distribution tax, uh, which the SPV will pay to the parent, uh, that based on the investors uh, where they are housed, uh, they will be uh, required to pay the requisite tax. Otherwise, uh, it will not be taxed in, on the entity level at the IFFC. And Suresh may like to add uh, on the tax front on this. Sure. Thanks, uh, thanks, Dipesh. So, uh, as rightly mentioned uh, by Dipesh, you do have a 10 year tax policy as far as uh, India is concerned. And as far as uh, uh, securities which are listed on the exchange is concerned, so for example, if there is a capital raising which is happening on the exchange, investors do get a full tax free uh, regime. Um, securities which are listed on the IFSC exchange in order to transfer, they are not subject to any tax in the hands of the investor. Uh, there is also a lot of, uh, say, uh, exemptions given in terms of applicability of security transaction tax, commodity tax. So I think, in a way, capital markets in IFSC provide a very, very attractive regime, and uh, uh, companies may want to look at that to raise capital from, from IFSC. Thank you so much. Uh, there is another question, and Suresh, perhaps you can address this as well. This is from Mr. Uday Geli. Will there be any customs duty levied on helicopters imported and leased through Gift City? So, uh, uh, 
the answer is uh, no. Uh, it is uh, not likely to be levied. Uh, there are certain conditions uh, to be satisfied. So, for example, if the IFSC is in SCZ, uh, and uh, if you are importing anything into SCZ, usually you will not uh, pay any uh, custom duty. So, the same thing uh, should apply even in case of uh, helicopters. Uh, there are some amendments which are required. Uh, and I think uh, the government is, uh, I'm told, is working on that. Subject to that, I think uh, the answer is that it's not legible. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, there's another qu question from Mr. Kirit Manik of Bengaluru. Um, there, it's a request not to ignore leasing opportunities of trainer aircraft by finance intermediaries and to have tie-ups with and which have tie-ups with major trainer OEMs such as Cessna, Diamond and Piper aircraft for lease to FTOs such that new generation aircraft are always available for the training. Um, so here we can very simply answer that uh, none of the types of aircraft or uh, leasing opportunities are being ignored. There's another question from Mr. Jad, Arvind Jada from Mumbai that hmm. if the investor owner of the aircraft is an Indian and wants to lease the aircraft to an Indian operator, then one, what are the tax implications for both lessor and lessee? And two, will DGCA allow this type of leasing engagement? On the first one, Dipesh, do you want to go? Sorry, ma'am, uh, can you just say, I just missed that question. Yeah, so if the investor owner of the aircraft is an Indian and wants to lease the aircraft to an Indian operator, what are the tax implications for both lessor and lessee? You did address it in your PPT, yeah. but uh, this question yeah. is still there. I think the way the currently the IFFC is structured, it is more meant for uh, the Indian entity availing these services from a foreign entities. So what it replaces now is that it replaces Ireland or Singapore or Mauritius, for, for example. That you were availing the services from those centers which can now be availed from IFFC. But as far as the Indian uh, manufacturer is concerned and a, a leasing entity or a lessor is in India, which is both dealing into a local currency in India only, they may continue to do so within the domestic umbrella. That transactions can't move on the IFFC because that's a rupee, typical rupee transactions between two players. Uh, and tax incentives are not flowing for the domestic transactions in the IFFC zone. Yeah. Correct. And uh, whether DGCA will allow this type of leasing engagement, I can just indicate that uh, there are presently domestic to domestic, that is domestic uh, lessor to domestic lessee transactions which are being uh, concluded. And uh, there is no bar on this type of uh, leasing engagement on the part of DGCA. The, another question by him is, how will we attract aviation leasing corporates to come to India for doing lease transactions? Um, because it is being averred that the European market is very sensitive and looks for minimal taxation. Uh, so I think we more or less answered this question. Um, then another one is, what are the plans for creating more IFSC centers 
in the okay. country, in any other city, IFSC authority, would you like to take that up? Yeah, currently, as per the uh, policy of Government of India, the first IFFC has been made operational. And as we move, as based on the experience of the other countries where the uh, capital, capital is not fully convertible, normally it has uh, a gestation period of some 8-10 years that you develop a center, bring the economic uh, activities and uh, economy of agglomeration by bringing institutions. And then what China did maybe 8-10 years later, opened up other centers. So maybe a similar strategy, whatever the government of India decides on this, uh, will be followed. Uh, for India. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, one other question is, what are the minima criteria, requirements, legal and financial, to set up aircraft leasing company in Gift City? I know perhaps Ashish uh, from uh, from uh, uh, Moon SEZ, would you like to answer this? Yeah, uh, I'll just uh, request uh, you to uh, re uh, repeat the question once again so that I can hear. So, what are the minima criteria requirements, legal and financial, yeah. to set up aircraft leasing company in Gift City? Okay. So, in terms of legal criteria, as I mentioned, that any uh, Indian company, Indian investor, uh, individual, basically, if they want to set up a unit in IFSC, it will be under RBI ODI guidelines. Uh, and if it is a foreign investor, NRI or a company, uh, they can also set up either a company, limited liability partnership or trust in IFSC. In terms of capital requirement, uh, there's a capital minimum capital requirement of $200,000, which needs to be maintained uh, at all the times in freely convertible foreign currency in uh, aircraft leasing entity. So uh, otherwise, there is no other restrictions uh, in terms of uh, legal or financial requirement. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, another question from a Mr. Amit Mittal from New Delhi for Dipesh is the capital requirements of 200,000 US dollars. Can these be used for aircraft purchase and will it be deemed as a deposit in the by IFSCA when an entity registers there? Yeah, so the 200,000 which you bring in as a capital can be utilized for the purchase of the aircraft. And um, before the purchase of the aircraft, the, whatever the amount you have received, that can be in the form of a deposit. Dipesh, we've lost you. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me now? Hello? Yeah, we lost you after your first sentence. Okay, whatever you brought in earlier can be? Yeah, whatever you have brought in um, as a capital that can be utilized for the purchase of the aircraft. In case you have not utilized that money for purchase of aircraft, you can you you can put that uh, two hundred thousand dollar as deposit. Okay, excellent. So uh, then there is a question from Ninad Chavan in Mumbai: Are aircraft components stocking warehousing? and leasing as well as their MRO services allowed in Gift City. Ashish, do you want to handle this? Uh, yeah, so uh, particularly, ma'am, uh, there is no restriction per se from uh, SEZ or IFSC uh, point of view. Uh, only thing is the facilities needs to be built up by uh, someone. So that is also being worked on. In fact, uh, uh, Dipesh Bhai and myself were discussing onto this as well, because this is a requirement which will come definitely. Yeah, so one of the answers to this would also be that all manner of services 
which are auxiliary or ancillary to aircraft leasing and financing. These are permitted to be undertaken from the gift city IFSC. And uh, in case there are uh, requirements of component stocking or warehousing, to my mind, um, as, as Ashish said, there is no bar on it um, as well. As regards MRO services, I mean, you would need uh, uh, large hangars or you would need some uh, parts banks facilities. So these are available. So what we have been working on with the government is for providing extensions um, to the customs bonded facilities at uh, various airports um, across the countries for lessors who wish to provide such services as part of their leasing transactions. So a customs bonded facility in Chennai, for instance, could be available for the customs, uh, for the component stocking or warehousing for aircraft which are being leased out by lessors in Give City. Um, um, I'm not sure whether there are. Okay, one more question for the Pesha is which laws have been specifically made for enabling bankruptcy remoteness of SPVs set up in Gift City? Are they in sync with English laws? I think I instead of Dipesh, I will let uh, um, Mary Lou handle this question in her uh, in her uh, assessment on the legal issues, or 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 um, or uh, even uh, any of our uh, second panelists, because legal issues will be coming up uh, later, and either Mark uh, Pierman Wright or Mary Lou can take up this question. So we will put this question on hold. Another question is um, regarding tax depreciation or capital allowances admissible on aircraft in the framework currently envisaged by the Indian authorities. Suresh, would you like to address that part? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I think tax depreciation is allowed. Uh, there is a 40% uh, WDV which is uh, uh, provided with the tax loss. Yeah, uh, I see that Ma Ma Mary Lou, do you want to answer that question on the bankruptcy law, remote uh, provisions and law? Yes, yes, sure. So there's no separate law, you know, framed with regard to um, entities in IFSC in connection with uh, insolvency. The general laws applicable in India would apply and an SPV usually is bankruptcy remote. Uh, there are some rare cases where, uh, you know, courts may lift the corporate veil in the case of, for example, fraud or where they act as a nominee for another entity or it's set up to avoid particular laws. But otherwise, an SPV would uh, is a separate legal entity and the assets of that entity only would be touched in the case of insolvency of that entity. And in the case of a parent, they would not touch the assets of the uh, subsidiary company. The shares of a subsidiary would be attached if it's an asset of the parent and the parent goes insolvent, but not otherwise. Thank you very much. These are actually the questions that uh, we had received uh, from the first, uh, uh, the initial inaugural panel, as well as from the panel one. Um, 
I know that we have we have eaten into our lunch break, and I'm tempted to continue with the work, even though it means uh, a very heavy day for um, without break for all of us in the panels, at least who are sitting, and for many of the participants uh, who are offline. So, I I I, I propose that we continue and uh, take up uh, our second panel.